Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. I didn't know that. I didn't either. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. Interesting. Mm. That's why you need Robert Half. Yep. I don't think that's a person. That's the company. Okay, I was confused. Yeah, their specialized recruiting professionals engage with their proprietary AI. Welcome to connect businesses (laughs) of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. See, at Robert Half, they know talent. I wish I had had Robert half back in the day oh, when I was hiring. Okay. So, no offense, Sona. Oh, it, it, I feel like you did mean to offend me. Yes, you wouldn't be here if I had had Robert Half. Okay. Visit roberthalf.com today. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. (laughs) They've got stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed. And cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. Hi, my name is Weird Al Yankovic. You can call me Al. And uh, I am figuratively tickled pink to be Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, welcome to... Conan O'Brien needs a friend, joined as always by my faithful assistant, Sona Mofsessian. Hey, Sona. Hi, Conan. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah? You feeling all right? No, I'm not. I'm very pregnant, but I'm I'm okay. You are incredibly pregnant. I found out today I have two babies that are both weighing over six pounds. Wow. I'm carrying 12 pounds of just human. That sounds like they're fully clothed in utero. (laughs) They're wearing heavy corduroy jackets. And they've got work boots on. That's 48 McDonald's quarter pounders. Good God. Now I want McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that's that's a lot of baby. Yeah. I will compliment you. And Matt, you will back me up on this. You have visited the show a couple of times recently. Yeah. You're not allowed to drive, uh, but your very nice, cool husband, Tack, drives you. And you'll visit us on the set. And everyone says the same thing. You have two babies and they're all concentrated in this one area of your body and the rest of you just looks amazing you just look not that i mean it's true and all the women are freaked out they're like oh my god if you just you know didn't know yeah if you didn't look at that one part of your body where it looks like someone is trying to hide um i'll just say it uh one of those mini fridges (laughs) (laughs) under your under your dress oh you Um, really romanticize pregnancy yeah yeah. Well, instead of, you know, some Coors Light, you've got two 26-pound babies in you. Um, but no, but you are uh, you really look amazing. Well, That's what I'm saying. It took me a long time do. to get there, but no, everyone says that. it. You look very beautiful. That's very nice. I feel like I kind of actually maybe lost weight, but uh, yeah, which is weird. But I'm cool. I feel like I'm crushing it. And uh, yeah, I'm just ready. You're ready. This is the stage I remember my wife both times being very ready Towards the end, like, I think she said, get this monster out of me. Yeah. Is what she said several times. I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) Sleeping, moving, doing anything. I'm ready. Right. And what about you, uh, Matt? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I mean, I'm no champ like Sona. You're an inspiration, Sona. You look amazing. And it's incredible all you do during all of this. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Science is going to make it possible for a man to carry a child. I would love to. I would love to. Would you? Yes, I would. I'm kind of jealous. I'm going to be very honest. I'm not jealous at all. (laughs) I think you're insane. Really? The miracle of childbirth? 
Yeah, but I just, I, I'm just freaking me out right now, just thinking about it. Gorley, think about you carrying a child. Um, yeah, think about it. Yeah. I waddle in, like uh-huh. I sit down and I go, oh, oh hi guys. <laughs> well, that's not that different from what you do now. <laughs> I know, that's true. You don't really waddle, but you're, <laughs> oh this transformation that you just went into is the first man to give <laughs> birth. How Nothing. No. Let's see, yeah. <sighs> Hi guys. Yeah. No, I um it is of course the miracle of life. It is twins. Twins. And you're going to instantly have these two humans. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. am. Um any thoughts about uh what they might look like? Do you ever try and picture them? I think they're gonna be two little hairy Armenian babies. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I, I don't know how to they're gonna be, you know, like Olive skinned. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a, a lot of hair. Make it sound like they're going to be born fully bearded. <laughs> Are they going to have thick beards? <laughs> Eight pounds of that 12 is yeah. just hair. <laughs> they yeah. could be. They could have beards by the time they're like two, I think. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they'll be born and then like literally three hours later, they'll have to shave. <laughs> The nurse is here. No, I'm fine. I can breastfeed. No, no, no. She's here to shave them. <laughs> she's just wearing a barber's smock. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's like, I don't take care of that. Uh, and the baby's like, <laughs> what are you reading the papers? Um, You're going to want to eat hummus instead of breast milk. I was When I was born, my mom said that I was a fat little Buddha, a little fat baby. <laughs> oh, wow. And she said that I had uh, bright orange, wispy orangutan hair that was oh, like sticking straight up. adorable. Oh. Yeah. Did oh she God. say it in a loving way or was she like, I was horrified? No, she was not horrified. Oh. But I was the only uh, one. There's, um, you know, six siblings in yeah. my family and I was the only one with that kind of uh, orange copper hair. Mm. And so it was, you know, was, even when I showed up, you know, people were like, what's this all about? You know, there's a buzz that went through the hallway. Oh, come on. And people were like, this kid's going to do things someday. Uh, someday he's going to have a podcast. I was a, a really ugly baby and my mom cried when she saw what? me. What? Really? Yeah. And she loves telling me this story, which is, I don't know why, but she, she cried because she thought I was ugly. And then the nurse was like, she's not always going to look like that. I'm preparing you. Things can get mushed around a little bit. Um, my daughter, when she was born, was absolutely beautiful, just stunningly beautiful. And my son is a very handsome young man, very good looking guy. Yes, he is. And, um, but when he was born, you know, it's, it's quite a traumatic process and the face is very malleable when the child is born. (laughs) So, um, uh, I got a look at the baby and so did, uh, Liza and, uh, we were, we were uh, concerned because he looked like Ed Asner after a bar fight. He really did. God, looked like oh he had gone God. like he had fought off like six people. He looked like an angry old sports writer uh, who had tried his hand at boxing and it hadn't gone well. That's what he looked like. Oh my God. And we were just like, oh well. I'm sure he'll be a kind person. <laughs> oh my God. And then um, literally within like three days, he started to look completely different. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, right. You know, the, the, tr- the trauma of childbirth. Oh I was going to say, thank God he has no memory of that, but you've recorded it here for all time. Oh no, I, every day I tell him, man, you first, I mean, every day at breakfast, he'll show, he'll, he'll arrive and I'll say, man, when you showed up, you were just a hot fucking mess. <laughs> God. And then I'm like, waffles? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. Very happy about our guest today. <laughs> Please, very pleased with our guest today. There's no transition here. You don't need transitions in a podcast. You just get right into it. It's very informal. Hey, man, this is who I am. My guest today is a five-time Grammy award-winning musician and comedian who has recorded some of the most successful song parodies of all time. I don't even have to say his name. Everyone knows this gentleman. Weird Al Yankovic. Welcome, sir. Everybody I talk to, I think the ratio is usually you can get up to like 80% of the people like them, 10% are indifferent, 10% dislike. With Weird Al Yankovic, it's crazy. It's like 100% (laughs) 
happiness <laughs> about the man. Yep. And I think I think Tom Hanks approaches that level. Yeah. But 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 Weird Al, if that's even your real name, which I highly doubt. I don't. I'd like to see your birth certificate before this is over. Would you? Okay, I, I got it in the safe downstairs. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll oh, I like that yours is in a safe. <laughs> I didn't know. I. That's I the first thing they go for in home invasions. I, Give me your birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> I taped mine to the your windshield. Your birth certificate of, my of your car. life. Yeah. I want that birth certificate. See. Well, there's jewels over there. And uh, no, I. Um, the thing that you've done is you brought your fans with you. So you made all these fans in the 1980s, and they've grown along with you. And now some of them are in their 80s, 90s. Um, you're very big with Korean War veterans, and uh, huge. And and then, but you've also got. Like my son is 15 and he's been a fan of yours for years. And in fact- I'm so sorry. I know. He was willful and uh, we didn't get along. <laughs> so I sent him to military school. Good Yeah, call. in Switzerland, um, which <laughs> ironically is always a neutral place. But anyway, I um, and what's really interesting is he knew your parody of American Pie, the Star Wars song. He knew that version of American Pie and didn't know that it was based on Don McLean's American Pie, and then later learned Don McLean's American Pie, and that became one of his favorite songs. But people know, especially young people, they know your music first, and then they find out later on that uh, you know Prince or Michael Jackson or someone recorded it, which is very strange. You know, that, that happened specifically with American Pie uh, because that was based on an early 70s Don McLean song. And uh, the kids that were listening to Radio Disney in the uh, early 90s weren't that familiar with Don McLean. And when they heard uh, my my Star Wars parody, they just assumed I had written an original song. Uh, and the, the funny thing was the next year, Madonna did a cover version of American Pie. And uh, all these kids were going, why, why is Madonna doing like an unfunny version of a Weird Al song? <laughs> No, it, it would be great if it became a trend for a whole new generation of young recording artists to do versions of your songs, not knowing that they were based on these other songs, and then just get tied up in a legal fight. You know, that would be my favorite yeah. part. It's just, you should, you know, what you should also do is you should launch just frivolous lawsuits against the Michael Jackson estate or the Prince estate or any of these people, Madonna. You should go after these people. Yes, eventually you'd lose. Because you clearly, their songs came first, but you don't know what kind of jury you're going to get. You might win. But I, I, I got time. This, this could be the whole third act of my career. It could be just nothing but litigious, you know, <laughs> l lawsuits like all the time. Was, like not going to record anything else. Not got a tour. Just, just. Sue I people. would just love it if you just spent this whole, as you say, the third of what will be eventually seven acts. But you spend this seven, this yes. third act just tying people up in the courts. And they're calling you and they're saying, you know, no, Al, you know I recorded this in 1988 and you recorded yours in 1991. And you're like, I know, I know. I'll see you in court. I will see you in court. Facts don't matter anymore. They don't. You know, I make up my own reality. R roll with it. Come on. Uh, I'm going to put you in the top five live performances ever oh done goodness. on my show. You did a performance on the uh, on the Warner Brothers lot where you came up through the back, up the stairs, mm -hmm. and the camera was tracking you. And it, it was explosive. It was great. And it's really interesting because I'm, I'm putting you in with the B-52s and Neil Young. You did this great moving tracking shot that you had worked out and you came up the stairs, you sang the whole song and you worked your way through the audience and ended up on stage. And it was really electric. And I was like, all right, this man is in the top tier. So mm -hmm. I give it to you. That's so nice to hear, man. Thank you so much. Well, I don't mean any of it. I'm an empty shell. <laughs> well, <laughs> you knew that. I'm operated. I'm, I'm like a Hall of the Presidents animatron. <laughs> In fact, half these podcasts have been done by the Theodore Roosevelt robot from Disney. Uh, you're one of the first celebrities that I was ever in a room with. Is that true? You weren't aware of it. I came in and watched you sleep. <laughs> the year was 1986. And I, I felt your presence. Yeah, and I, I figured out where you lived and I, I climbed up and I came into your room and I just stared at you for a long time. And um, oh, I did that. I used to do that. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, did that with Catherine Hepburn. Anyway, uh, <laughs> one of the first things I did when I was out here in LA is I've, oh, comic I relief, volunteered comic at Comic Relief and I was a brand new, freshly minted 22-year-old uh, comedy writer who looked, uh, I think, like an 18-year-old um, 
you know, girl. And uh, I was uh, working at Comic Relief, which was, it was the very first one and they were looking for volunteers. So I volunteered and I was assigned to Estelle Getty from the Golden Girls. They said, you just have to get coffee for Estelle Getty. Oh, she's a taskmaster. Yes. Uh, she was brutal, by the way, brutal. Uh, <laughs> She carried a leather truncheon and uh, would just whack at people with it, which was a uh, little known fact about Estelle Getty. Absolutely true. Don't even bother looking it up. But um, I was in a room and you came into the room and lay down on a couch. And uh, that's what I do. Yes. You just lay down on a couch. I started chatting with you. And I the only part of our conversation I remember, because I had never, I, this is like my first time seeing any celebrities. So you're a big deal. You come in, you lie down on the couch. And at one point- I remembered asking you about, I think I asked you about Prince and you said, you know, he's much smaller in person than you would think he is. He's a, he's a, he's much smaller than he, and I was like, oh, but you're being very nice about it. You were just describing him physically in case uh, I was ever attacked by him. I, I remember it totally differently. <laughs> I remember you walked into the room and I said, chocolate, bring me chocolate. <laughs> and you said, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I work for Estelle Getty today. And I said, you'll never work in this town again. Yes. And you're, you were right for years. You put an embargo on me. I would try to get work and they would say until Weird Al lifts his embargo. So I called you and I said, uh, Weird Al. And you said, just Al is fine. And I said, okay, Al, how do I get to work in this town again? And you said, bring me the chocolate. So remember it, I brought you the chocolate and I gave it to you. And then you lifted the fatwa against me and I was allowed to work in television once again. You're welcome. <laughs> And it wasn't good chocolate. It wasn't even, it wasn't good chocolate. It's good enough. It wasn't that good. I thought you were going to watch 65% some- cocoa. I know. It was Hershey's. And no, I'm not putting Hershey's. It was, wasn't, it was something you could have gotten anywhere. <laughs> it just seemed very petty of you. I remember that. Thinking, I just, what a- I just wanted it from you. Yeah. And then I, as I was leaving, you said, oh, and one more thing. Prince is smaller than you think he is. And I said, that's not necessary. <laughs> That's not necessary. He's like microscopic. Yeah, and you were just stuffing chocolate, this cheap chocolate into your face. <laughs> and I- the, the cheaper, the I better. I know, I didn't understand any of it. Uh, you are, um, this is known about you, but you're an extremely uh, kind person. You're a very nice person. That, I don't know what that's all about because I decided <laughs> a long time ago, I'm not going that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, flattered and a little confused when somebody brings it up. I, I like being thought of as, as a nice person, but virtually- um, Everybody that I know in Hollywood, except for you, of course, is very nice. You know? I don't see the I don't see the profit in it. I don't see. I'll be honest with you. I don't see what do I get out of being a quote nice guy. And I've seen you and Hanks and people try it, and I'm like, okay, whatever. But uh, I, I don't buy it. I, it's it's not for me. It's not the way I want to go. I think I'll be remembered longer if I'm an incredible prick. Uh, <laughs> but no, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's funny because I do relate to you in certain ways, which is. There are a lot of people that get into comedy that are, you read about their childhoods and they're, they're the bad boys or whatever, or they're, they're drifters or loners. You, I think, were like me in that we were both, uh, and this is a, a shameful thing to admit later on when you're in comedy, is that you were a good student. Yeah, I mean, when I write a song like White and Nerdy, that comes from decades of, of experience. Right. You know, that, that, that song just took a few minutes to scr scribble down, but it took a lifetime to write. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I was my high school valedictorian. Uh, I, I graduated when I was 16 years old because I skipped second grade. Uh, and I was always like the nerdy kid. And uh, I, I wasn't voted like uh, class clown or best sense of humor. I just thought it was like, you know, the nerd. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started doing college radio uh, that, that I kind of allowed that part of me to blossom a little bit more. I was always just sort of like ostracized and like the guy eating by myself at lunch. Well, um, I'm that guy now. <laughs> no one will eat with me. And then you find that radio, there was something about radio that brought it out of you because no one's looking at you. There's air to fill. And so that's when this part of you can emerge and sort of uh, evolve. Is that right? Yeah, I started doing college radio uh, very early on. And, and that's where uh, I officially became Weird Al. It took on the name Weird Al to do the Weird Al show on KCPR San Luis Obispo. And uh, every Saturday night for three hours, I got to take a break from my architecture work. I was uh, majoring in architecture, which is a horrifyingly punishing major. They called it architecture. Oh. Yeah. And and it was just nice to have a, a release. Like for three hours Saturday night, I could like let it all out and do crazy characters and have my friends on the air and play bizarre music and, and just 
be a goofball. And it was like, it was my only joy <laughs> really during my college years. And by the time I was graduating, I was thinking, why, why shouldn't I just do the stuff that makes me joyful in life? So that, that was kind of led me on this path that I'm on to this day. That's interesting that you had that thought because I, I fought that for a long time. I was raised Catholic and for, I just had that ingrained suspicion of anything that felt good or too joyful or too easy. I had a hard time reconciling that your work could be joyful and joyous. I, I, if it's not painful, like it's not really work. Yes. D is that how uh, you felt? I don't think you had that. Not, not so much, although I just, you know, I never thought that I would have a career in show business because that, you know, what are the odds? Especially, right. you know, I, I grew up playing the accordion. You know, I, I don't, I know that you would probably disagree, but I don't have classic movie star looks. And that was my I, I third figured, question like, is how did you get classic <laughs> movie star looks? We'll get to that. We'll All get to right. that. Scratch but, but, you know, out. I, I just, I, yeah, I just, I just figured that, um, you know, I, I wasn't cut out for that. And I, I, you know, I had my rock star fantasies like every other 14 year old. Uh, but I just never thought that I would have a living doing something that I really enjoy. Right. And nowadays, you know, with a few you know, mouse clicks, uh, anybody can upload their material to the internet. And if it's good enough, people will find out about it. So it's, it's just amazing the access that, that people have uh, to, to fame these days. Well, it's revolutionized things completely because I was, you know, I mean, Fox is brand new when I get started in the business. So there's really still, I'm, I'm living kind of in a three network reality. Cable is something that if you want to watch it, you, you have to check into a motel. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I literally worked for a show on HBO and I remembered, one, you know, thinking if my parents are going to see this, they're going to have to check into the Radisson, uh, which had a big <laughs> sign out front that said, we have HBO. So it was a different era. It's hard to explain that to people now, but now they're just, uh, there's so many young people or just people in general that would want to do what you're doing. And you think about how improbable it would be to get song parodies produced and marketed in mass media in the old system versus today where I think what's raised the bar for everybody is that we're all competing, not against each other, meaning other comedians, can we think of something funnier than them? We're competing against 340 million Americans. That's just in America. I mean, uh, right. forget, the, forget the rest of the world just for a second. It really raises the bar. I mean, you, you can't go for the low-hanging fruit anymore. And I'm sure, you know, as somebody that, you know, does does a monologue, you have the same problem because anything, any kind of topical news event, you know, there'll be people on Twitter that'll have made the obvious joke 40 yes, times already. Yes, so and that's why- You always have to go for yes. the joke that you don't think somebody else has made already. No, it's almost impossible to think of- your first or second or third pass at a joke has been covered by somebody somewhere. So then it's almost like you got to get to your fifth and sixth and seventh pass at the joke. The, the one way you can be certain that nobody else has done it is if the joke makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, just a random yeah. string of words. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. 
You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries and I'm done with mine. And- uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. So I'm curious because you had a choice as a young man between two instruments, guitar or accordion. It almost sounds like the devil appeared to you and made you this choice. I was at the crossroads. Yeah, you're at the crossroads. (laughs) You're at the crossroads and the devil appears with an accordion. There's no blues song where that happens, by the way. Right. You know, I I was six years old at the time, so I'm going to guess. I don't remember it clearly, but I'm going to guess that decision was made for me. I can't imagine I was begging my parents for accordion lessons. And uh, there was another accordion playing Yankovic, Frankie Yankovic from Cleveland, who was known as America's Polka King. And we had some of his old records in in the attic. And my parents just thought, well, we have the same surname. Uh, There should be at least one more accordion playing Yankovic in the world. So they figured, you know. (laughs) What an odd. I'm sorry, but what an odd channel of thought. There's another Yankovic who plays the accordion. Ergo, you must play the accordion. <laughs> so, so I'm pre- like if my last name was Hendrix, I, you know, I couldn't take accordion lessons, no. right? I mean, come on. You're right. You're right. I think you did the right thing. Also, I'll Thank tell you this, and I've only noticed this. Uh, you've been kind enough to do my show several times over the years. And every time I see you in person and you've got your accordion, those things are absolutely gorgeous. They're beautiful. Well, thank you. But they're beautiful. I mean, I don't think people realize how intricate they are and the inlay and uh, they're their gorgeous uh, machinery. Sometimes they go for like 300 bucks on Craigslist. I mean, they go for the big money. <laughs> Is that really? What's the most you can spend on an accordion? I, I, well, I actually have bought a couple of accordions off of Craigslist for about that much. Yeah, because for, for some reason, people are dying to get rid of them. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I've often walked down the street and just seen people throwing them out the window. And of course, they make that wee-ah, sound as they go down yeah. the street like a like a spring. Uh, Plus the Doppler effect, which adds to it. True. Oh, okay. I mean, I have that worked into my calculations here. I'm drawing out this <laughs> this this joke as I think of it. An accordion being thrown out of I just see accordions being thrown out of many windows simultaneously as you walk down the street. That's like the opening to SCTV, yes. like the, the TVs, polka version. Yes, TVs flying out the window, and then we have uh, accordions. There um is there a Stradivarius 
of, and I'm just obsessed with accordions now, but is there a Stradivarius of accordions? Is there an accordion where you've always thought, if I could get a McNulty, that would be the be all and end all, you know? <laughs> well, when I was a kid, uh, I forget the brand name, but there was an electric accordion, which was, you know, as big as a house, like it would have crushed a small child. Uh, but that was sort of like, you know, if, if you were serious about playing the accordion, you had that. And uh, I, I don't think they... That that brand is still around, but but now I have I do have a MIDI accordion which I play in concert sometimes, which can emulate basically it's like a sampler essentially. So it's an accordion and it still triggers with, with the same buttons and keys, but you can make it sound like string sections or horns or virtually anything you want. So uh, I've, I've got the bleeding edge technology with my accordion. I love that you're on the cutting edge of accordion technology. What about? Can you get it so that it can do impressions of people's voices? Like, so you can pick up, you can dial like uh, the phone and then using your accordion skills sound like a famous celebrity. Everybody asks me that. I don't know why. Um, no one's ever no. asked you that. No one's ever asked you that, ever. I mean, you use your, you're so good at the accordion. You have all these different buttons and stuff that you can call, uh, you know, as Mark Hamill and order a pizza and say, this is Mark Hamill. I was in Star Wars in the seventies, but of course they brought me back later on and you're, you know, you're, you're squeezing and undulating your, I, I don't know why that's in my head right now and it should probably not be. I apologize. I, I, I can probably uh, arrange it so that my C-sharp triggers a, a voice recording of Mark Hamill saying, hi, I'm Mark Hamill. I was in Star Wars. So if, <laughs> and if, if that would make you yes, happy. Yes, and I would like uh, a pepperoni pizza with the cheese in the crust. You're forgetting the most important part. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That'd be for the D-sharp. Okay, all right. So that's, that's a two-note sample. I screwed up again. You know, uh, clearly you have a true love of music and you understand music and that enables you to, I'm guessing when you first hear a song, you appreciate it musically or do you think about it comedically and what you might be able to do with it? You know, I can turn my brain off. I don't always listen to songs on the radio and say, how can I screw this one up? So that would be I, torture I, uh, if you big... did, actually. That would be like a it Twilight would. Zone it episode would. where if you're listening to Beethoven and you're, you just want to enjoy it and all you can think of is how you could you know, how you could screw. Have some more cheese, have some more cheese. <laughs> have some more cheese. No, no. Have some more cheese, have some more cheese, have some more, you know, and you're, or you're at a funeral and they're playing a really sad song and uh, this classic, you know, uh, mournful tune and all, you just go right to that and you start thinking of how you could make it about. He's dead now. <laughs> Holy God, that guy's sure dead. <laughs> and you're laughing and everyone else is crying. You've been asked to leave a lot of funerals. Isn't that true? I have, yeah. After I take my selfies, yeah. <laughs> it just must be hell for you. Now you can turn that off. Yeah. You can listen to a song and appreciate it and then think, okay, I, I, I can break that down. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, it seems kind of ironic, but I don't usually listen to the lyrics that much. I just kind of appreciate songs musically. Uh, and, you know, then I, you know, I can just slide on my own lyrics whenever the, the, the muse strikes, I guess. But um, but yeah, it's, it's nothing it's nothing that I do like, you know, 24 seven. I, I only do that when I'm on the clock. On the clock. Who's setting who's setting a clock for you and saying, <laughs> Al, we need nine song parodies now. Is there someone that <laughs> my, my wife, oh, your does, wife that. does that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Uh, because the music also has to be good. Do you know what I mean? That's the other thing too. Does it though? I'm thinking. <laughs> does it? No, it really hmm. doesn't, does it? Well, I should have been putting much too much effort into this. Yeah, musically, uh, you and your band are really good. I mean, that's the other thing too, is I think on a musical level, you, I've always aspired, I'm a, I'm a hack uh, amateur guitarist, but I've, I think I've secretly always just wanted to be in a band. I think a lot of comedians just want to be in a band. And I think you've figured out this magical way to be in comedy and music at the same time. I've, I've got the, I'm, I'm two minutes and one. I've got the best of both worlds, uh, which is great. And, and and thank you for the nice words about my band. I mean, I do think they're some of the best musicians in the world. My, my guitar player, uh, Jim Kimo West, actually just won a Grammy for best new age album. So he's a man of many talents. And I've been fortunate enough to find them early in my career. And, and they've stuck with me uh, the entire entire time. Uh, is it true that you guys are just insane on the road when you hit the road? I know you're a good family man and a good husband and that's your whole thing, 
but you just completely go, you melt down on the road. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Sometimes we're all sharing the same Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's kooky. You're passing around Wi-Fi. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> You're not welcome at a lot of venues anymore because you guys share the no. same Wi-Fi. Too much bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Zeppelin had a lot of the same problems. Uh, I, re- I saw that documentary. Yeah, we all did. We've I've seen it four times. Uh, but no, you know, I, I was uh, seriously blown away, and I knew this, but your your musicians are terrific, and I I've, I've always thought the people whose careers I always admire, are, and also who who I think have been very fortunate. I'll, I'll put it that way too. Are are the people that have managed to sort of take what they were naturally interested. In and then turned that into a career rather than fitting their talents into an existing format. And I, I think that you've managed to do that. You took something that was very specific to you, then you crafted this thing that now is your career. But if you had told your six-year-old self that this is what you're going to be doing, you would not have believed it. You would have thought that's that that's too good. No, it's still it's still kind of crazy to me that I get to do this for a living because I, I could not have come up with a better thing to suit my talents and my and uh, and and to fulfill me and make me happy. So I'm just amazed. I mean, I, it reminds me of what, what my dad used to tell me when I was a kid. He told me that uh, the only true sign of success is finding what makes you happy and then making a living at it. So if you're happy at your job, that is their only true success. And that's, that's something I really remembered and, and, and took to heart. And I, I feel just on the basis of that alone, I've been very successful. Uh, what did your dad do? I'm curious. He was just a number of blue collar jobs. He was not like a professional. Yeah, he uh, he uh, uh, worked in a sheet metal plant. He was a, a security guard, a street crossing guard. So just a lot of minimum wage stuff. But, you know, he, he was happy. We lived simply, uh, and he just always kind of did what he wanted to do. Did uh, he get to see you have all of this success? And what did he make of it? He did. I mean, very, very proud. I mean, once I started getting uh, famous, and you know, and for years after that, uh, he would. Um, <laughs> he would go up to like the, the the checkout woman at the grocery store and say, "Have you heard of Weird Al?" And, and she'd say, "Usually yes." And that's my son. And he'd pull out his wallet and show my high school senior picture. <laughs> and, that's so nice. And, and he was very very sweet about it. Yeah. And then if they didn't know who I was, then he'd get really irate and run out of the store. <laughs> I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> oh, you're going to know who Weird Al is. You're gonna know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm turning your father into Nixon, but he's suddenly becoming Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> You will know Weird Al, and you will remember Weird Al. I'm resigning the presidency effective immediately. Wait, sir, were you okay? <laughs> Why are you in the eight items or less checkout line when you have 12 items? Uh, Should be eight items or fewer. Hey, there you go. Thank you. You saved me. You're welcome. Uh, you know, it's funny because my mom, I, I've told this, but she would do similar things where she would really force the conversation into... Do you have a television? <laughs> you know, people would go, yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan of being up late at night? Sometimes I'm up late at night. When you're up late at night, are you ever watching late night television? <laughs> and it would be torture. Do you like Irish talk show? Well, host? not really. Do you like? Uh, sir, do you like, you know, and, and it would just, she would just wear them down to where after about 15. <laughs> like, you're Conan's mom, yeah, right? It, okay, it would be like it. on we the 15th it. round, they would have eliminated. Of the two people at 1230, do you prefer the one that started in 93? whose name rhymes with the uh, De Niro film Ronin, uh, Conan. I knew you were a fan. Would you like to be on his show? Yeah, she would also, for a while there, she was trying to book people on the show. Wow. Yeah, he's very talented. I saw him play at a wedding. He plays something called The Zither, and I booked him next Thursday. But uh, yeah, I. Uh, what, what do you find your first, like, I'm guessing it's the 80s, must be 83, 84. When, do you, when did you feel like it blew up for you and you're on MTV and everyone knows who you are? I, I really felt like I had made it um, about three weeks ago uh, when you requested me on this podcast. And I felt, this is, this is it. This is the epitome. I've, I've reached the plateau. I'm, I'm on the mountaintop now. You know what? You answered that question perfectly. Yes. Thank you. You know what? I will say uh, many people feel like this, getting the call from us is the moment. 
last year, remember when we contacted Michelle Obama mm-hmm. and said, we reviewed your application and you may be on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's and exactly uh, what happened. she said, now, now I feel like uh, I really mean something yeah. uh, to America and to myself. Remember that? Uh, yeah. That, uh, everyone feels that way. Tina Fey, David Letterman. I mean, everyone you've, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much all to a one. And and then they just, they drop out after that. Yeah. Before this, they feel worthless. And then you give their life meaning. <laughs> You're having a little trouble there, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're saying this bullshit and carrying human life. Sona is very pregnant with two boys. Oh, I was going to say, it looks like boys. <laughs> yeah. <Gonna say. laughs> yep. You can tell. It's unmistakable. Yeah. Boys. Yeah. Yeah. They're just fighting. Congratulations. They're roughhousing in there constantly. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, it's funny because I'm curious, uh, seriously, you did, would it be in the early 80s when you hit and fans from that era are still with you, aren't they? They, they, they came with A you. lot of them, yeah. They're bringing their kids to the shows now, or sometimes their grandkids or great-grandchildren if they're, like, really productive, I guess. But, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a generational <laughs> that thing. That wouldn't mean really productive. <laughs> that would mean they went through a time warp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with nine generations. We've all enjoyed you. I started watching you when I was 18, and here's my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson. <laughs> That's not that they've been productive. That's There's something... Would it be a black hole? I don't know how these things work. Some cloning, maybe? I don't know how it cloning works. Cloning would be easier. Where are you right now, yeah. by the way? Because I'd like to be there very soon. I could get to your house. Oh, uh, I- I'm at home, uh, 925 Westmont Drive, okay. Los Angeles, <laughs> California. Down. We're not going to bleep that out. That's easy to do. Does it say Weird Al on your driver's license? Please say that it says Weird Al. Uh, let me see. I just, got, I just got my real ID. No, no let's see. Does not. There it is. Oh, oh look, and you're that's, making that's, you're that's making a, a weird owl face. That's a great photo. <laughs> that's so great. I'm going to describe this now. You're making an over the top weird owl face for your driver's license. Do they do they ever say no? Knock it off. You have to do it again, and you have to say you don't understand. I am weird owl. This has to be a weird <laughs> photograph. Yeah, I always try to push the envelope when I'm at the DMV. You, you always want to like see how far you can push it with them. <laughs> Because they've got great senses of humor. <laughs> That's what you say before you go to the DMV, I'm going to really push the envelope here? Yeah, I look forward to it. You're someone who does not want to hurt someone's feelings. And it's it's surprising because there are people in comedy that don't care. And then there are people in comedy that really do care. And sometimes it's a shock because there are people out there that can be quite brutal in their comedy, but they say, and I believe them, they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. They just feel that there's like a little bit of a disconnect uh, or that people won't really mind. But have you ever had an issue with any of the artists that you've parodied? Not not really. I mean, the the, the one famous exception is Coolio, but uh, that was more of a uh, miscommunication. He uh, he contends that he never gave permission for me to do Amish Paradise, mm-hmm. and I was told by my record label that he had. So there was a little bit of a mix up there, and there uh, we didn't really have a beef <laughs> or anything like that. But uh, there was a little bit of awkwardness for a couple of years. But but everything's fine now. There's water under the bridge. He's he's Coolio now. Very nice. <laughs> And is there uh, a lot of tension between West Coast song parody musicians and East Coast song parody musicians? Has it ever, has the shit ever gone down where you guys are passing each other in cars and you just start throwing accordions at one another? <laughs> That's one of the good things about, about the pandemic is because I can stay at home for a year and not have to worry about the drive-bys. <laughs> I just love the idea of you getting hit with an accordion. I don't want you to get hurt, but I just love the idea that three accordions, three accordions, three accordions would go, and you know you'd duck down behind the door and they'd just go clattering off your door, and you'd be like, "That was a close one. Let's let's get out of here." That was a three hundred dollar Craigslist accordion. <laughs> Quick, grab it. We could get $310 for it on Craigslist. Yeah, because uh, I would think that you don't want to upset anybody. That doesn't seem like that's in your nature. I, I don't even like to, to, to punch up that much. I don't like, I don't like punching anybody, really. If, if I can, uh, you know, be funny without uh, hurting anybody's feelings, I mean, that's, that's always a plus. I, I have done a few things over the years that uh, I'm not proud of that I felt like I might, might have gone a little too far. Uh, but in, in general, I, I, I like to, you know, I don't like to, I hope, I hope my comedy isn't perceived, perceived as toothless. Uh, but I, I do think it's more of a challenge to, uh, be funny without, you know, making it at somebody else's expense. Yeah. 
But I think also there's a certainly, I mean, obviously there's a lot of uh, political comedy uh, out there and it's been, it's, it's been sort of de rigueur for the last four or five years. But I also think there's a longing where people want to go someplace and enjoy comedy that is not hitting those buttons, so to speak. I, I kind of feel like, you know, Randy Rainbow has kind of filled a, a vacuum uh, for the last few years in terms of doing political comedy and, and song parodies. Right. Uh, because that's something that I just don't ever want to touch because I, for, for me personally, it, it's it's divisive and it, it doesn't date well. I mean, that's, uh, you know, if you do any kind of political comedy, it's it's old news like two weeks later. Right. And obviously in, in late night, we have to do some, you know, topical stuff and we, it's, it it's, you can't avoid it. But over the years, I've always really tried to make sure that we have stuff every night, something that will still resonate maybe if, if someone comes upon it somehow in 15, 20 years, it still works. There's something about that evergreen right. stuff. That, they, they can't all be hanging Chad jokes. Well, actually, they were. I did. <laughs> I love anyone listening right now who wouldn't know what a hanging Chad it took me joke. A but it, it's <laughs> it's so funny because if it's even funny that night, maybe. But then you you go forward like whatever eight years, and people don't know what you're talking about. They think that it's a group of men named Chad who committed suicide. You know. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the dancing Edos have a real shelf life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was your biggest? Uh, you must have met just pretty much everybody. Who was your? Who was the person that you met in, in your in your career as Weird Al Yankovic that that just blew you away? Was there a moment where you thought, "I can't believe I'm"? And and again, present company excluded. Oh yeah, God. I was going to say it's hard to compete with like the whole meeting at Comic Con thing. Yeah, or or was it? Or comic relief, comic, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Meeting me, <laughs> meeting me nine years before, or nine years before I got my talk show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> meeting a twenty, but I remember a twenty-two-year-old Conan O'Brien, uh, still, still wrestling his way through puberty. But who uh, did you get to meet? Any of your idols? That you know, yeah. I mean, I met I met Paul McCartney early on, like in '84, when I, I just I, I think Eat It had just come out, and and I got invited to his Give My Regards to Broad Street uh, premiere party, oh, cool. and I got to kind of angle my way through the crowd past all these other people, Martha Quinn and Michael Keaton, and and I finally got up to to Paul McCartney, and I just said, Hey, Paul, how you doing? Uh, my name's Al Yankovic, and he goes, Oh. Weird Al. And he turns to Linda McCartney, honey, look, it's Weird Al. And my head exploded then and there. I just couldn't believe that Paul McCartney had any idea who I was. Uh, and, and also that's a real testament to, I mean, meeting someone like Paul McCartney, especially then too, because I think now he's around more. He does the Hollywood Squares. Uh, <laughs> he's on- fa- Center he's, Square? Yeah, Center, well, he's, sometimes if he's lucky. He's on Family Feud. Uh, you know, uh, he was on a season of Jersey Shore. <laughs> Um, he's, he just makes the rounds now. He's sitting, you know, he's always around. We're here in New Jersey. You know, having a good time. Remember when he was on that show? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Remember he was on Gigolos? What? Um, Al. Conan. You're a delightful man. As are you. Am I though? But yeah. Come on. In in the right circumstances, sure. (laughs) No, uh, I'm, I'm proud. You know, it's funny because the concept of this podcast was- there are people that I would like to, who I've met over the years, but it's, I always get my sort of tight five, six minutes with them and then they're off and the machine that I'm in keeps chugging along and it's on to the next thing. And you're one of those people who uh, I've always uh, admired and really enjoyed. That's really yeah. nice to hear, man. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's sort of like I, I don't get a chance to actually hang out with my friends. So so doing their podcasts are just a way of me connecting with people. So this is like, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? No, I'll do each podcast instead. You know, we'll just we'll just hang hang out. I only talk to my wife through the podcast. <laughs> Those are the only relationships I have and are just podcast friends. <laughs> it's I, I do. There are many people I've wanted to meet and they don't have a podcast and they live. What can you they do? Live like two doors away. And this is even without COVID. And I won't go speak to them. I know exactly <laughs> no. what you're talking about. Unless they're taking a break to do a commercial for a mattress, what's the point of talking to them? True. Um, but uh, getting to talk to you has been uh, this has been a real treat, and I I hope we get to cross paths again soon. Because you know, and if you ever need me to sit in with your band and sort of lower the overall musical quality of it, I might take you up on that, man. You know, just as long as we keep yeah. a real simple rhythm, I can help you out. 
And by help you out, I mean <laughs> lower the overall quality of everything you're doing. It's good to keep expectations And, and somehow low. make it about myself, uh, much to the dismay of the fans that came to see you. That's what I can offer you. I will definitely keep that in mind. You're crying right now, I can see. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I can't see your hands, but I know that you're typing your publicist an email that says, this can never happen again. <laughs> hey, Al, seriously, thank you very much uh, for doing this. This is cool. And uh, I'm glad you dropped out of architecture school. Me too. Because thank you, you God, appreciate made a it. really bad house, I'm telling you. <laughs> I got to say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately, I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. <laughs> There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts and, or money sprees that have fun new mini games, plus with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. Better work presentations are possible. They're called Canva presentations. You can supercharge your work decks with Canva presentations. Sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just start with a prompt and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds or with a stunning template and add images, graphics, charts, and data visualizations from their massive media library. You save time and you wow your audience. Mm -hmm. I have never made one of these presentations and I never will, but there's a reason why Canva <laughs> is used by 90% of the Fortune 500 companies. 90%. That's a lot of percent. Yeah, let's get it to 100%, guys. Come on. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations by heading to canva.com. Design for work. This is a uh, interesting time in our lives, going through a lot of changes, probably most uh, important uh, being that Sona, I think by the time people hear this, you will be the mother of two boys. Yeah, it's very soon. Uh, we we did record ahead of time. Yeah, and we should mention that you're going to appear on this podcast in upcoming episodes, but that's all been done prior to those babies coming. Um, yeah, we've recorded a bit ahead of time, but right now I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, and I will say, because uh, I know you have a lot of fans out there, Sona, uh, and everybody's blown away. Sona has uh, come by the show a bunch of times uh, with her husband, Tack, just to visit. You look beautiful. You look, That's and so every, nice. everyone's blown yeah. away by how amazing you look. Huh. You are extremely pregnant, yeah. but it is all localized. It's, it's, it's all right, uh, right in your belly. And you can tell there are two strapping young fellows in there. Strapping young fellows. I, um, yeah, I do. I, I'm, I'm, I feel huge. They move around a lot, but yeah, I, uh, I feel like I'm kind of crushing pregnancy. <laughs> you are. You are. I feel good. I shouldn't be here. That's something like I, I think my doctor would not like me just like constantly going and driving to, you know, West Hollywood for your last shows. But, you know, I have FOMO. And so uh, FOMO is uh, I like to point out fear of missing out. Yeah, I have Jomo, which is joy of missing out. <laughs> yeah. I have FOMO, which is fear of missing out on a reference. I didn't know what FOMO was for a while and okay. I was confused. But now I know. Yeah. So uh, you've been coming. I, yes. I want to. This made very clear. Uh, some people may think because of the nature of our relationship that I'm forcing you this late in a uh, pregnancy no. with twins to come in. I tried to do that, oh. but then was told that it's, uh, it's illegal. 
Um, yeah, last time last time we came to Earwolf to record, then we were going to Largo, and I asked you for a ride, and you told me to take the bus. Do you remember that? I did. <laughs> yeah. I said there's a bus stop right over there, and I had plenty of room in my car. You had plenty of room. But I, uh, I said, no, there's a bus right there, and then you were giving all the reasons, and we'll go on like this for a while, and people hear us and yeah. think that I'm- just an insane person. Cause I'll commit to it and I'll say, there's no reason you can't take the bus. And you're like, and you said, you're going to the Largo theater. That's where I'm going. And you have room in your car and I'm very pregnant with twins. And I'll say, I'll give you the money for the bus yeah. and you can pay me back. And people hear us doing this and they just go home and think that man's a horrible monster. Well, it was like that one time when I was holding a plate of watermelon and you barreled down the stairs and you kicked them out of my hand. This is years you, ago before you were pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause it was okay oh, before I was. Well, no, no. Yeah. I mean, first yeah. of all, I did that to a pregnant woman. That's horrible. Uh -huh. Doing it to a, a, a woman uh, who is not pregnant. That's is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But there was a, there were a couple crew guys there who were looking like horrified. Yes. And I, I said, I, you know, I, I wanted to be like, no, no, he does this all the time. And I, <laughs> I like that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. You're enabling him. This, this is how it is. No. I remember kicking that slice of watermelon and it went flying. Lying. It was such a good kick. Oh, good. I'm glad you were happy with yourself. Yeah, yeah no, it really good. made me change the air of my ways. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, we're going through a lot of changes. You're, you're going to, by the time people hear this, uh, you'll have these two boys. I don't know if you've decided on, do you have the names set? I don't want to hear what they are, but do you know what the names are? We're pretty confident we have the names. Yeah, we're okay. pretty confident. And is one Conan? You can say if it's not. It's not. Is the other one Conan? Is the other one Conan? No, the other one's not. Neither one of them okay. are Conan. No, no okay. offense. It's just, uh, no. no. Doesn't seem to be. Okay. I won't okay. do that. All right. Well, I don't need the competition. I don't need like another Conan Gray out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. So this is... Uh, Maybe it's best. Maybe it's for the best. But anyway, if you change your mind, just let me know. Yeah. Uh, it's available. Doesn't and, seem to be, uh, does not seem to be a popular name. I don't know what happened. But uh, the other big change is that I've been doing pretty much a nightly show, uh, more or less nonstop uh, since 1993. It's been 28 years. And um, we're in the process of wrapping it up right now on uh, on TBS and then, uh, yeah, you know me, Sona, I'll go on to do other things. Yes. I'm kind of a hyperactive person who likes to make stuff, but this is a big, uh, it's a big transition and people keep asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? How are you feeling? And I feel fine. But then I think, what if I'm, I'm so Catholic and Irish, what if, what if I'm just blocking it? What if I'm blocking up some powerful emotions and are those, when are those going to come to the surface? Maybe huh. not for years. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I, I have been walking around thinking, am I supposed to be, you know. Sad? Yeah. No. I just, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I think that you know that it's the right time to do this. Yep. I think that you know that it's, it's you're, you're, you're good. And uh, I mean, it's television. It's like. Who watches TV anymore anyway, right? Oh, now I'm just depressed. I'm so sorry. I so I devoted 28 years of my life to something that nobody gives a shit about. Which is actually, I do have a kind of um people think that I'm being gloomy when I say these things, but I'm really not. Uh I very much think do your work, do the best that you can, really try and enjoy it. And that has all happened for me to such an insane degree. Uh and then uh, move on because um, there's other things to do and uh, having, uh, you know, such a great wife in Liza and mm -hmm. these two kids, Nevin Beckett, and we just have such a great family life. Uh, and there's so much more to do that, uh, yeah, you think just just keep moving, just, just move on, get on with it. And, uh, you know, I think people think a lot about, well, what will my legacy be? And I think, I don't think, I think the world has so much more important stuff <laughs> to think about. I really do. And I, I think well, it'll be out there on the internet and people can peruse it. That's the thing. It's yeah. always going to be there. It's just going to be there and it's bouncing around in space and aliens are watching it and saying, he gets much better after 94. <laughs> <laughs> um, and congratulations, sincere congratulations too for, oh my God, that you do have a huge legacy and a huge body of work that is incredible. Well, it's funny. I, it's all I ever wanted was... Uh, 
I used to talk about this. It sounded so pretentious, but when I was 21 and 22, I would tell people, people would ask me, you know, what do you think you want to do? And I said, I just want a body of work. And I thought, what 22 year old says I want a body of <laughs> yeah, work? But weird. I talked about it all the time. And then um, I never thought that it would be a masturbating bear and uh, <laughs> a dog puppet that uh, says horrible things to people uh, and just a million other things. But I'm kind of, I'm delighted with it. And uh, people can like it or not like it, but it's all it's all out there, and uh, it makes me it makes me very happy. So yeah, you're right. I, I don't think there's a reason to be there's uh, not sad. I also, no. you know, as as your employee, and I think I I speak for a lot of people who work on your show. It is it has been one of the like it has been just the best place to work. You're mm-hmm. a great boss. This is actually I'm being sincere. No, I, I and that's right. A lot of people have worked on this show since the very beginning. Yeah, we have a couple of people that yeah. have been with us. I mean, really, it's actually a shocking number. Um, I would say uh, it's a bunch of people that were with me in 1993, and I yep. still talked, and they still work on the show, and I still talk to them every day, and uh, that's pretty stunning. Like we've all gone through so much together. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, it's okay. Now I'm starting to feel things. Oh, All right. that's nice. No, it's bad. It's okay oh, to feel. Wow. You should no. feel. No, no, no. It was just gas. Oh, what? It was, ga- it was gas sort of oh. up near my sternum. Okay. It just, it just shifted. It's you know, okay. I think also you're the kind of guy, like your dad, you're just going to work until you just cannot f- physically do it anymore. Yeah. My dad's like that. Yeah. I think you're just, uh, you're going to be like 95 and you're going to be dad like, is, look at this funny thing I'm doing. Yeah. No, my dad is 92 and he is still a prize fighter. He still gets in the ring. <laughs> uh, he's terrible. He loses very quickly to these young 20 year old incredible boxers. Um, and he's beaten senseless. But he still he still does it. <laughs> I really love the dad. idea of when people talk about a ninety two year old who's still working. They're always like, "God bless him." No, he's a prize fighter. Oh my god! Yeah, he gets in the ring, and these young muscular men just beat the shit out of him. Oh my god! And then he's in the hospital for months. But then he, God, he gets back in the ring. God bless him. What happens then? Oh, he's immediately obliterated again. <laughs> he walks in with a cane. He walks in with he a did, walker. He needs help they they into push the, the rope. They push the ropes apart so that he can get his walker through. And then ding ding, and the guy comes over and, and his head falls off. And then you see the trainer come over with duct tape and put his head back on, and they rush him out to the hospital. And then nine months later, oh God bless him. Now he's ninety four. And uh, he's back in the ring. And here he goes. And oh, he got punched in the chest and the man, the fist went through his chest and pencil shavings are coming out. Oh my God. Just stuffing in pencil That's shavings. God bless him. Oh, God bless him. God bless him. He's still at it. That's the kind of thing Irish people say. Oh, God bless him. He's still at it. Oh, my God. I just, it's just sad that these 20-year-olds don't hold back. They, they don't hold back at all. Go for no, it. No, they want this. They're worried about their record. They have no sentimentality at all. They don't, they just see this 92-year-old goat get in the ring. They see this <laughs> ding, ding, right over as hard as they can. Oh, his arms go flying off (laughs) and they're sewing him back together and rushing him to the hospital. But he'll be back to fight 21 year old (laughs) Emilio Entrada, six foot six, 270 pounds. I don't know why a heavyweight is fighting a 92 year old. (laughs) I know. It seems like it's off. I must break you. Yeah, I must break you. And then I would love my dad talking shit. I would love him talking shit to the guy. So he's there in the ring and he's like, standing there and he's had all these different surgeries and his they put the right arm on the left arm and the left arm on the right arm because he didn't go to a good hospital. And he's there and he's at the weigh-in and the other guy outweighs him by 200 pounds. And it's just a massive giant wall of muscle. And my father's like, hey, Pussy. <laughs> Come on, Peckerhead. Let's see. Come on. I'm going to rip you a new one. I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to rip your eyes out and shove them up your ass so you can see oh what you God. ate two days ago. Oh my God. He has all these really elaborate. I'm going to rip your dick off and feed it to you. 
in front of your whole family. Oh shit. Okay, really, sir, you've got to you got to calm down. <laughs> ding ding wham. <laughs> oh, his chest just came out his back. And they're trying to has anyone seen his spinal column? It's I think it looked like the it looks like it fell in the third row. If anyone could pick that up and take it, we're going to sew that back in. God bless you. He keeps going. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Becton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Conan. 